Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Chris Zack, 22 years of volunteer and career experience, currently a captain on Engine 13 for Kitty Hawk Fire Rescue in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Chris comes from a long history of men in his family involved with the fire service and also knows what it's like switching from career departments. His mindset of always remembering that you're a firefighter first regardless of rank, is definitely a mindset we all need. With that, I present Mr. Chris Zack. Okay, so I'm uh, Captain Chris Zack with Kitty Hawk Fire Rescue. So I got into the fire service over 22 years ago. Um, it was a, It's in the family, so it goes all the way back to 1916 with my great-great-great-grandfather. And then my dad, you know, that was the first one I knew as far as being a kid watching my dad go to the volunteer fire station in Cerebral, New Jersey. And pretty cool. I got to grow up around that. And then for a couple of years, I wanted nothing to do with the fire service. For a couple of years, it was like, oh, I'm going to play professional ice hockey. Well, obviously that didn't work out, right? So I came home. I was in Connecticut playing hockey. Well, I came home and uh, I joined the volunteer fire department back home in Cerebral, New Jersey. And I went to my first fire with my dad and I was hooked. I was, I was hooked from that point on. I like to say I was a, a fire nerd, which, um, you know, I think is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I went back and then my bro, you know, I, I was looking for jobs and I got hired in Monroe Township, New Jersey for a couple of, I think it was about a year. And then I got, all over the place. I was, I was looking for jobs all over the place and I got hired in Virginia beach, Virginia. So I moved out of my parents' house and got an apartment and that was a, a crazy time and it was awesome. Um, and then actually about a year later, I got hired by Enrico in, okay. in Virginia, but I didn't leave. Right. So I was already through the Academy. So I stayed in Virginia beach. So I did, you know, 18 years there on, busy engines, ladders, and, and, you know, eventually I got onto the rescue for a little while. And then I, uh, I, you know, kind of took a leap of faith about, or I don't know, leap off a bridge, whatever you want to call it. But I, I took a leap. What was it? Over six months, April of 2023, I had been working part-time in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. So, I decided to put in for a captain's position that opened and luck went through the whole process. And I came out number two on the list and I got hired as a captain. So it was, uh, it was hard to, it was hard to leave, but it, it was a good decision on my part. I really, I enjoy what I'm doing now. So, and then my brother is still in Virginia beach and a cool little story. I happened to be home very early on in my career, I was done with the Virginia Beach Fire Academy, and I happened to be home back in Jersey. So I had said my dad took me to my first fire. Well, I happened to be home, and my dad got to drive me and my brother to his first fire. So that was a pretty that was a pretty cool experience in 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 life. Um, I wouldn't give that one back for anything. So that was a pretty 
pretty cool experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, what, you, what you're saying was your dad was driving the apparatus and yep. you and your brother were on the truck going to his first yep. fire. Yep. So my dad was driving the the engine back in Sarah, New Jersey, and he was, uh, it was, it was really cool. So to fight fire with my brother for his first time. So Absolutely. that was, that was a, that was a good, good deal. Like it, the world, uh, the world liked us that day. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so I just want to make sure I got this right. So while you were working at Virginia beach, you worked part-time at Kitty Hawk. Yes. So I had some guys that I taught with, uh, a Jeremy Boyce and, you know, I had known chief tally who was the fire chief in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina through classes and through the FEMA world and through the rescue company world. Cause that's, he came from Norfolk. Um, and you know, I, I went down there part-time. I, w- I had been volunteering with Smithfield as well. Like I, 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 I try to do a lot with the fire service and not just box myself in the one place. Um, when I, when I can go outside and do some different things, I feel like the, that, that helps. Right. So all those experiences, of going different places and and not just just being in the same environment all the time. So I just happened to pick up a part-time gig there. It's only like an hour from us, maybe an hour and 15 minutes from where I live in Virginia Beach. Okay. So the Outer Banks was always a place that I visited on vacations. So, uh, So we actually, we just decided that, yeah, it was cool to have a a little part-time gig and it turned into something else. So that wasn't on the radar when I first started as a part-timer. That wasn't, that wasn't what I initially set out to do. Like it was just a a different experience of going to a different spot and working. And it turned into a a really awesome opportunity. Okay. Okay. Um, Like you, and I'm sure many others in your situation, what made you decide after so many years at um, Virginia Beach, hey, I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to do it. So for me, I had a great career in Virginia Beach, right? So I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Like I, I got to go to a lot of fire. I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, I, can't even, I can't even begin to mention them all. But, you know, Captain John Rigolo was was a big influence in my life. And I saw the way that he affected change every day, right? So he was one of those guys that affected change because he he was a great leader. He was a great captain. When we went to fires, there was very little talking. It was we went to work. And we all knew we were all on the same page. And we we knew what, what we were going to do. So I kind of I wanted to affect that change. And it, at the time, we had pockets of it. And and Virginia Beach, again, it's a great fire department. But as you get, I mean, we were over 500 members. So as you get to that, as you get to that, it's harder and harder to affect change, right? So you can affect mm-hmm. change in your little pockets. But I wanted mm-hmm. to I wanted to affect change on a daily basis. And I saw an opportunity to do that in Kitty Hawk. I saw an opportunity to have a now I could have I could have went for the promotional process in, in Virginia Beach, but it would have taken a little bit more time. And you know, I'm I'm 41 years old. I don't I don't have but so much time left in the fire service, right? So I'll always right. be around it, but I realize it's a 
it's a young man's game and we'll get into the physical fitness stuff later where I think we need, you know, I think I'm doing okay, but I realize I don't have another 40 years in the fire service. I probably only got about 10 to 15 to 20, you know, hopefully 20. But that was, that was really what made me do it. Like I wanted to affect change. Like I wanted to, I, I almost thought it was a disservice to everybody that brought me up and everybody, all my mentors, including my dad, if I didn't do it. So, and I actually, my, so my, my girlfriend, Roxy, like we had talked about it. Like it was a, you know, it was a big, big step and a big move. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, after talking about it, we realized I would be happier. Not that I was, I wasn't unhappy per se, but I, I would be happier. Right. And it worked out really great because we'll talk about it later on as the podcast comes up, but my crew is phenomenal. Um, I just, I happen to get, I, I had my first rookie and that that's really awesome. So she, it's actually a, a 20 year old female, um, a 20 year old girl that, that is just a little, little badass that I couldn't ask for much better. So, which I didn't know, I didn't know her going in. So I, I didn't know what to expect. Right. So right. I had her on my first day. So we're kind of connected at the hip for, for now. Okay. I mean, Okay. Um, for those that don't know, including myself, can you tell us about Kitty Hawk, the size, um, yep. your personnel, call volume, things of that nature? So so Kitty Hawk is a, a small town on the, in the Outer Banks, right? So uh, single engine department. Uh, hmm. We have, So we have some more apparatus, right? But it's it only truly turned mostly career, what was it, five or six years ago. So it, it, it was very small. And like, finally, the call volume is probably 1,200, 1,300 a year just for Kitty Hawk. And that's going into the other parts of the Outer Banks. So mm-hmm. what the way that we work it is that anytime we go to a fire, they hit a, a, what we call a station alarm. So we have guys that are assigned to callbacks every day where if we get a fire, they have to come back, which, you know, it works for us because that allows us, because up until a few years ago, they didn't even, they didn't even go out of town. So it was just that they just responded to Kitty Hawk, that small, you know, couple of square miles of Kitty Hawk that they would respond to. Now we go to Kill Devil Hills, Nags Head, uh, Southern Shores, Duck, and it, Outer Banks is just that one little strip of land. Basically, you're, you're just, it's north and south. There's not much east and west there. Um, but yeah, so, so about 1300 calls a year, everything from, from your structural fires to your entrapments to, you know, your normal alarms. And we still go to EMS calls. We just don't have medic units. So no one in the Outer Banks has a medic unit. They're all, they are all run by Dare County EMS. So okay. we, we have to be EMS providers. So I, I kept my EMT level at an advanced level or enhanced, depending on where you're at in the country. So I'd like to call it a mini medic. Um, I can't, I can't do much right now because we're in the process of trying to help EMS. Um, I did a ton while I was in Virginia, but I can't do much as far as the ALS skills, but we're, I'm going to try to push that a little bit. Cause it's still as much as I, I, 
I know everybody's going to be like, Oh God, this guy, but as much as it's, it's still part of the fire service. Right. Uh, yeah, so right. CMS yeah. is still a ton. The guys joke me at work. They're like, Oh man, look at him, look at him go. But it's, you know, it's still part of the fire service. So EMS is something that we have to do mm-hmm. for, for Mr. And Mrs. Smith. But so it's three shifts in Kitty Hawk, uh, four on a shift. So it's a, a captain, a lieutenant, which is our, our engineer chauffeur position, and then two backstep firefighters. We have 12 full-timers, one deputy chief, uh, an ocean rescue captain, because we're in charge of all the ocean rescue stuff for the town of Kitty Hawk, and then one fire chief. So... You know, and they can count as some of your callbacks too. If we go out of town to staff another engine, just so we have a backfill piece per se, mm-hmm. which was weird for me, right? So that was a change for me. Like, what do you mean we don't like? So I remember driving down the road for one of the calls, and they hit us for another call. I was like, we're we're on a call, guys. Uh, we can't go. They're like, oh no, well we have to pick the the more important call for now. And then, so it, again, there's some change and there's some growing pains from the days of, you know, where it was a mostly volunteer system, mm-hmm. but we're, but chief tally has done an amazing job to push that forward, right. From his previous, previous experience in Norfolk and then just bringing in some guys with some experience from other places saying, Oh man, we, yeah, we need to change this. So it's, it's pretty awesome to see the, the, the change. And then we also, like you were talking about earlier uh, offline, we also have part-timers. So we have part-timers where if I, so, so say if I have a Kelly day or an adjusted day, we can bring in a part-timer and then my Lou will ride up for the day. Or okay. if one of the backstep firefighters is off, we have a, a firefighter, part-time firefighters will come in. So matter of fact, tomorrow's shift, I got one coming in. So, and they train with us, you know, we put them through the paces as far as training goes, because we have a little training center down the street from us that we built out of Connex boxes. So we can, we hit the training pretty hard, especially during the winter because the call volume starts to drop a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, all out of one fire station? All out of one fire station. So, so we actually, we have an engine, a ladder, and then a couple of reserve engines, and then the battalion. So again, it's just the apparatus, like we're only staffing one piece and we're not, we're not doing that thing where we really aren't going to the ladder or switching over to the ladder unless it's special requested, but that doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. Usually the ladder goes with the callback personnel, or if we go out of town, like, uh, about two months ago, they struck a second, a couple of second alarms. And then the, the callback personnel will take the ladder, and then we have even more guys come back to to backfill the station. So it's you know it's an intricate system. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. and we're moving forward every day. And I think you know things are getting there's a lot of change going on, but that's okay. That's a it's like again, that's a good thing. I think right, right, okay, a very de- definitely. I'm sure definitely a big difference. Uh, like a like a culture shock to how Virginia Beach was to how Kitty Hawk is now. You know, it's yes. a lot. It's a lot different, I'm sure. And you have to like just sit there and soak it and grasp it because the like the whole thing of you're going to a call, you get popped for another call, and it's like okay, I got to look at which call is more important to go to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? While yeah. uh, other departments, it'd be they'll get the next closest 
truck whatever so no that's definitely interesting it, it is and it, it, again there's there's been some there's definitely progress right so we're we work much better than it was years ago with our with our partners uh, you know to the north and south of us and it just it's just that that culture shock, right? So I think mm-hmm. that was for everybody at one point, not just our our small piece of it, but everybody in the Outer Banks. So we're we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. But mm-hmm. you know, and there's some again, it was it was a little culture shock for me, but but sometimes it's a challenge, and I I like that. I'm I'm okay with that. So, okay. Okay. and then our chief, you know, he supports us a hundred percent. Like that's that's the nice part. Like I I can make decisions during the day. And if I have a solid reason behind that decision, he's good. So got to have a reason. Can't just make mm-hmm. him off the hip. But Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And are the departments, are your, are the departments around you, are they also career or are they, are, are some like volunteer or part-time? So almost all of them are, are combination, right? So one, so Southern Shores has a paid fire chief and, and deputy chief. And then they also like, so they'll staff the station, but right now they're volunteers. So there's been some talk that they might have some career staff soon, which would be a good thing. Cause we could start, you know, a little bit more apparatus based dispatching or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's, and then the other, so going back the other way, going South, almost, I think everybody going that way, three or four departments over is, is career. And then they have some volunteers again. that So Okay. It, it's a com- most everything down there right now is a combination system. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Like I said, um, it's always interesting to hear how different departments operate. I mean, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. So, all right. Um, what does the, in your opinion, what does the term aggressive mean to you? So, you know, interesting question. Um, I, I like to, say that I'm, I'm an aggressive fireman, right? But if you really break it down and think about it, if you really break it, it's got to be a smart aggressive. It's got to be a, a knowledge-based aggressive because everybody can say that they're an aggressive fireman. Oh yeah, I want to get in there. I want to get in there. I want to, I, I think running, you know, people can talk, I'm going to go in no matter what I'm going to go in. I, I want to go inside and we need to occupy that space. And we, we need to get in there and search for people because that's what that's what our job is about. It's about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and it's about getting in there and making a difference and making that that save or even saving some property if we can. Because again, it's it's life and property is what we're sworn to protect and what we should. But that's gotta that's gotta. I need to think about that, especially as an officer, right? I want my people to. I want to have to drag them back. If like, I want them to be aggressive and I want them to be pushing forward all the time. And I, I, I want to actually have to grab them by the coat, by the collar and, and drag them back. But there needs to be a knowledge base behind it. Cause I think we, we blanket the statement of, yeah, we're, we're an aggressive department. Well, you need to know what you're doing to be aggressive. Right. I, I think, I mean, that's just the, it's a it's a culture shock to some people, right? Like, why did you do what you did? So that's one thing right now is I'll always ask my rookie whether it's it's fire stuff or whether it's you know whether residential search, which we do a lot of because we're a veteran community. I mean, it's a it's a um 
it is a tourist destination. So mm-hmm. we have houses with 16 bedrooms plus. So yeah, the house may burn down, but I want to get that search done. So that's being aggressive to me, right? So if we put if we put enough water on the fire where we can get a search, that's that's being aggressive. And then if we have to back out after that, that's not necessarily to me not being aggressive. It's just realizing, okay, we've searched the house. This is what we, you know, this is what what we did. This is why we did it. I always talk to my rookie about no, I I need you to know why you're doing these things, not just a yeah, I can do it, but you need to know why, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of my take on the whole aggressive thing. And I I hesitate to say, like, we're just going to go into everything because I've heard that, too. And and I think everybody in the fire service has heard those guys. Well, we, we go interior all the time. Well, yeah, man, I like if there's searchable space and I can uh, occupy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to go. And and I need to like, I yes, it's dangerous. And it, it you know, that's the way our job is. It's never going to be safe. But that's it, being aggressive to me. That's what it is. It, and you, you have to be smart about it. You have to know why you're doing what you're doing. There's a couple of great videos out there. Some VESs that we've been um that we've been watching and they VES a couple of rooms that are actually on fire. There's fire blowing out the top of the room and they, they bring a couple of people out and they lived those, I think it was fault Fort Walden. And uh, I think what another one was in Cobb County, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those, those are a couple that, you know, that proves the fact that, Hey, just because it looks bad in there doesn't mean we can't be aggressive and get that, get that search in. So that's, I think I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but that's that's my take on it. Aggressive. Okay, I I have to agree with you. I like it. So, um, yeah, there's no issues there at all. Um, with your amount of experience in the fire service, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? Like, should you have to be in a certain rank for a certain amount of time before you're allowed to go to the next step? Ah, uh, so. I hesitate. It's hard, right? Um, I I don't know where that lies, right? Because people learn at a different different time. People learn things in a different time frame, Mm -hmm. and it's got to be a mixture, right? So I'm a big training guy. We got to go. Like I want to go train all the time. Like I joke. I I joke that I think the chair hurts me worse as I get older. Like that office chair. Like I want out of the office. Like being a captain now, it's I, I have stuff I have to do, uh-huh. but I'm a big training guy. So we, we get out there and we do stuff and that doesn't, if I'm in there till midnight doing my paperwork, whatever, the guys need to train. But the clause, I don't, yeah, there, you need, you can't be promoted day one on the job. So there should, there's gotta be something, but also people learn at a different, in a different time frame. Because I, I think we get those guys in the, in the fire service that just sit and wait for a promotion, right? So they don't they may not do very much in their career. They're like, oh, I've been in the six years or seven years that it takes to get promoted. I'm going to go get promoted. And they take a test well, but they may have no business being in that right front seat or even being in that chauffeur seat 
because they didn't push to do things in their career because it's a mixture of going to fires, going to classes, getting that muscle memory, doing the job. And how many times have we, we met that officer that he'll tell you or she'll tell you a lot of what to do, but they can't do it themselves. And, you know, that kind of brings me into one of my points. Like I, I still have to be a fireman first as an officer. I still have to be that. I I try, I try and I don't always, I, I don't always succeed, but I try to lead from the front, but right. I'm, I'm not going to ask my rookie to throw a, a 24 or 28 foot ladder by herself if, if I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my big takeaway. Like you have to be a fireman first and the rest will kind of fall into place. You, you have to be able to do the job. And I I'm big on the FTTN thing and it's, it's um, a Jim McCormick thing learn the job by doing the job. And if that, if you're, if you're slower, uh, you got to train more. I mean, that's, that's just the thing. We may not go to fires every day, but we better be ready when we go to fires. So I, I just, I, I think that again, there's, there's some knowledge based stuff there. You need to know about the department. You need to know, you know, your SOPs, you need to know your SOGs, but also yeah, you need a little time on the job, but people learn differently. Like you could have a great officer that sits in that seat after six years. And then there could be a guy that's 12, 15, 20 years in that would do a, a shit job because he just doesn't care. She doesn't either, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's kind of, that's my take on it. It's, it's hard, right? Because they got that, I know, I know when I was in Virginia beach, it was six years to become a a master firefighter, which then you can act as a captain. Um, And really in Kitty, you know, Kitty Hawk, it's a little weird because right now, just because of experience level, we've we've hired from the outside a little bit, which is, you know, it's a good thing and it's a bad. Right. Right. So we have, we actually in Kitty Hawk right now, we have a, a really good mixture of guys coming up and then some, some guys with some experiences from, or experience from other places. So we have a pretty decent mixture right now. So we'll just, you know, keep trucking along and, and it's my job and our job as the guys who've been in the fire service for a while. And, you know, again, I, every day, every day on the job. And I think I put this in when I type something for you every day in the job I'm learning. And I think when that stops, that's when it's time to leave. You, you gotta, you gotta keep learning and keep pushing because I'm not perfect. I'm not close to perfect. And when you start saying that, it, it's time to leave because you're you're no one is. Fires have a way of humbling you. They mm-hmm. they do it all the time. All right. So. Okay. Uh, recruitment and retention is that something that you're seeing an issue? Which I mean, departments across the nation are facing this. But what's one thing that you believe Kitty Hawk's doing right? To, to, to keep the guys and to bring in new members. So kind of, kind of tough, right. In, in today's market and today's, so I think, I, I think it's just for me, we can, we can offer the the training and we can offer the, the camaraderie. Like that's what we're trying to, 
bring that's what I try to bring every day, right? So like I, I don't even look at it as a whole. Like I look at it as what can I do to to make these people want to stay, to make people want to stay. Like let's let's even put it in this uh, on my shift on a daily basis and being so small, I can affect a lot of change, not just on my shift, but on all three shifts. Treat people right. You know, and, and I, I know it, it's overstated, but I, tr- you know, you treat them right, but you hold them accountable mm-hmm. because really I want people to stay, but I don't want people to stay if they don't buy into the mission, because to me, that's, that's not, that's not right. I don't want people to stay for the sake of staying. I want them to stay because they, they care about the family. So I, I put it this way. I always say, I want a badass family. Because that's what I want. I, I, I want a badass family because they can do the job, but they also care about each other. Like it's a, we need to love each other. I, I need to care about the guys that I work for. Mm-hmm. 110%. I need to care about the guys that I work for. I don't, I don't take that whole buddy to boss mentality. I don't, I don't like it because are you going to come get me? Like, are you going to bring me home? If something happens, if you, I know everybody says, "Oh, we can put that to the side." But if you don't, if you don't care about me a little bit, are you you're going to come get me? No, you're not. I, I don't feel like that. So I still need to. Tre- I need to care about these people's lives that work for me, and I feel like that's a way to keep people. That's they they have standards. They know that I'm not going to put up with. You know, I'm not going to put up with them not being able to put their mask on on the front yard, because. There is a lot of that going like no standard stuff going down in the fire service, right? Absolutely. Or the minimum standards. Yes. Which, which really, I mean, that's some places, the minimum standards, I feel like it's almost like getting out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I I really, I take a lot of offense to that. I've, I've worked pretty hard to like, I've worked pretty hard to get where I am. And it, you know, life hasn't always gone as, as expected and stuff's happened that I'm not, that, that has messed up my life, but I could have very easily crawled into a corner and, and said, I'm, I'm done. No, well, you got to fight to be in the fire service. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta want to do it because it's, it's not for everybody. Um, I know I went off on a tangent, kind of got on my soapbox. But that's that's how we keep people. I think that's how we keep the right people. Because yeah, we're having a staffing problem in the in the in the fire service right now. I think we're having a recruitment and retention problem. I think part of that is is money. I think part of that is driven by money because it's hard, right? You know, I would love to do that. Look, I still volunteer occasionally in Smithfield, and I love it. But it doesn't it doesn't pay my bills and I still have bills. Like I still need a, a roof to live under. I oh. think the, I think, uh, I think the girlfriend would be pretty upset if we lived under a bridge or in a cardboard box or something. So, I mean, I could live in a camper. It's okay. But I think, I think that's, that's the difficult part, right? Cause then, and then other departments start dangling more money in front of people. Absolutely. And it, it gets hard to, to keep people, but you know, I, I just think, and you shouldn't hold your people back either. Like that's a big thing for me. I shouldn't, I shouldn't hold anyone back. Like, so my rookie is 20 years old. 
And, and I've told her, I said, I, I would love to keep you as my rookie and then my firefighter and then maybe my lieutenant or my chauffeur one day. And I always joke, like, uh, I want to be the captain of the first rescue company in Dare County. So I always, I always joke, and I'm like, well, you can be my rescue driver. But I've also told her if she – uh, if she wanted to go somewhere else, I wouldn't hold her back mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's, that's not right either. People have different things they want to do in life. Exactly. So, but, but yeah, I, I think there's what we're doing right is we're just building that team and we're building that, that brotherhood and sisterhood mentality. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to beat you over the head if you can't do the job, but I, I do care about you. And I'm going to show you that. Um, I think that's my biggest my biggest thing like i've grown pretty tight being that small that's a nice thing too like we grow pretty tight pretty quick so few fires and a few entrapments here and there and a few bad calls and plus the station all the time we spend together you grow, grow pretty tight so i like other than that i you know and, and when i was in virginia beach they tried all kinds of recruiting things and everything else and you know, they get some good people, but it, again, it seems like, and I think Bobby Matthews talked about this the other day. It just seems like people are hopping back and forth from department to department, kind of in that Hampton Roads area. And I think that's going on throughout the country. If, if, if I think, I, I, you know, I don't know about all parts of the country, but right. I think it's going on. Right. No, I mean, I have to agree with you. Um, you know, we all know we didn't get into the fire service for money, but it does help if the department has a strong culture. They actually, the, the chief has a set standard that he wants each and every one of his members to meet. And then it doesn't, it, it's not a, it does help if the money is good too. Because I mean, like I said, we all have bills. We mm-hmm. all have a certain lifestyle. We all have certain little excursions we like to do. And you know, why not? If a department is able to pay their members well and they also have a thriving culture, that department's probably going to see a lot of uh, people come walking in through their doors trying to get in there. Yeah. You know, while the yeah. other departments that don't have an established culture or if they do, but they don't pay as well. I mean, you will have some that'll stay just because the culture is 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 where they want. But don't be surprised too. At the end of the day, if if another department comes around and goes, hey, you know, we, we feel like we should pay our members this, and they get it passed, you're probably going to have people leave. Yeah, you're, you're you are going to have that. I mean, it's, and it's tough, right? So that's a tough choice, I think, in people's lives. That's a tough choice in in anybody's life. Like, I still need to pay my bills, but you know, that is not my job. So, from the captain's standpoint, right? Even in in a smaller place, that is not my job to fight. Like, right? That is that is not my place necessarily like i can i can put my opinion forth but that should go through our dc and our our chief that should go through them but the things that i can affect are that morale and that culture and that the the guys and girls they like coming to work like Mm -hmm. i want you to come like again i want you to know it's going to be tough but i want you to come to work and have a good time like we should never come to work and i mean there's look there's stuff in every department there's stuff that we may not love doing. There's there's stuff that we may not. Oh man, I get to I get to paint a hydrant today, or I get. But and that's not even. I'm. I, yeah, I actually like that because that means I get out. We get out. It gets out. Right. And we and we do right. stuff. So even when 
even on their slower days where people don't don't get me wrong that maybe one day I'll have my rookie on here and, and she can tell you like there's not much that we don't we get out and do things even without the hydrants but we get out and do things but I can affect that like their daily the mood and everything else like I want to I want them to be happy but I also want them to know their job mm-hmm. and they know if they don't know their job they're they're we're going to drill until they know their job so that's and, and, you know, Chief does a really good job with us of, you know, he lets us run our shift and, uh, you know, it's just, again, I, I don't, I can't affect the, the pay and anything like that. I can't affect that. That's mm-hmm. not where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I will say that, um, I don't know, my train of thought here. Oh, I got it. I will say that if you wake up, and you know you have to report into work, and you actually dread that due to whether it's a bad crew or whatnot, you know, you can always try to put a transfer in, go somewhere else. It all depends on the size of your department. Not all departments, you can't always afford that you'll get your transfer request granted. But if your department is not meeting your set standard you have set for yourself, and you dread going into work, that's probably the time you need to look at another place, another organization to go to, because you should never feel like it's a burden and it's a chore that you have to go to work. You know what I mean? No, you, you definitely shouldn't. You, you know, and, and there is some level, look, we don't work a nine to five job and this there's, there's something to be said about some sort of sacrifice. Right. So I said, not just me, like we as a culture, should be okay with some, some sacrifice. I mean, for crying out loud, sometimes sacrifice is, is big. It can be something as, as big as losing our lives, but it can be something as small as missing a birthday party or missing something at home or, you know, missing a, a trip that you wanted to take with friends because, you know, there's some training or there's something going on that we have to be at. Right. So that's part of the, that's part of the deal. Like, and people, you know, I think people get entitled like, Oh, I can't, I can't miss these things. Can't, I can't do it. Well, no, you, 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 you signed up for this. That's just my, my take on that whole thing. There's stuff that I would, I would love to be able to do sometimes that I can't do because this is what I signed up for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, next topic, realistic training on a small budget. I'm not sure how much the budget is a Kitty Hawk, but with one station, I'm sure, and, and, and the amount of personnel you have, I'm sure you get creative when it comes to doing your training. You did mention you have a Connex, which that's great because a lot of departments don't even have that. But what what do you do that's kind of outside the box to get – good quality training for your members. Okay. So, so first off, we're, we're luckily for, for me and us, right. That was one of the things that drew me there. We're, okay. we're pretty lucky when it comes to training. I say we have a Connex. We actually have like a three-story Connex facility that we've okay. built over there. And it's, I'll send you some pictures of it. It's, it's pretty amazing. Right. So we've got okay. a couple of burn rooms and it's, it's a lot of blood, sweat and tears put in by the members and our, our, our DC, DC Rogers and, and chief tally and every member in that department has put something into that and, and built something there. 
So we have a vertical vent prop there. We have a whole bunch of stuff that we can just go over and train every day. And we get cars all the time for extrication. So it doesn't cost us a ton of money, but it costs us a little bit, right? So you have to spend some money. Like I'm not one of those guys that you can spend. Oh, well, we can spend no money. Like, no, to get realistic training, unfortunately, you got to spend some money. But on the, on the smaller scale, what we can do is like, you know, what I really like to do is in the mornings, uh, we have a lineup, but before, after lineup, and it's getting harder and harder because they know me a little bit, a little bit more. I just, I just, you know, drop the clipboard on the ground and, and say box and, and they don't know what, where we're going or what we're doing, but we're going to go somewhere and stretch a line. So they got to, you know, just like real time, um, got to get dressed and we got to go. So that's kind of one of those things. I feel like a lot of times we get sucked into, Hey guys, this is what we're going to do. No, we're going to do it later. No, this is the scenario. And that, that does everybody, including myself, a, a disjustice. Um, I've told our, I've told them above me, like, Hey, surprise me. Like, don't tell me what we're doing. Like, let's go try, like, just drop it on me in the morning. Like, which is nice. And we have to do the paperwork and the 1403 stuff. But a lot of times we'll just burn in the morning. Once we get the paperwork done, like we'll have a, we'll have a small burn in the morning. It's just to get those reps in. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, but then the other stuff during the day, like just, um, you know, the covered mass stuff, uh, to try to throw some workouts in with gear on. I try to do that because that brings physical fitness, but also it brings in that stressor. Oh, so absolutely. we'll get on the rower and then we'll get a mask up in. And then let's say one of the, one of the drills I really like is a, a mask up or a five, 500 meter row in gear. You mask up, you drag a sandbag across the floor, and then you have to package a down firefighter and drag them out of the, our, one of our, our shops are in the bay. So okay. it's just that, that taxing thing of man, putting, putting ourselves in gear alone is, is something that taxes the body. Mm-hmm. And then, so I don't want it to be a shock to the system when, when we go to fires. So that's my biggest thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, so on a, on a small budget, that's stuff you can do. Uh, guys got to get creative and build their own props you know, window props, because again, it's, it's not the big stuff that that's getting guys hurt. It's not the big stuff that that's killing firemen. It's, it's our cardiac arrests. It's, it's physical fitness. It's getting in a window and out a window. It's just the stretching a line. Like I, I, you know, you hear a lot. How many times can you stretch a line? Like we know how to stretch a line. Well, let's, let's stretch a line until you can do it in your sleep at two o'clock in the morning right around obstacles upstairs because everything for us is on stilts so everything down there because it's a beach house and it's it's on stilts because it's not a lot of the places would flood but so that brings a whole another atmosphere to stretching line so you got to be prepared for that so you have to look at your response district and your response area and what do i have to train on the most because that's what's going to bite us in the ass when we go to these fires and when we go to these calls. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, I, I do. I, I like that notion because you hear it a lot, you know, 
Well, I already know how to stretch a line. Okay. Uh, one of the best, all the all the greatest quarterbacks or all the greatest sports athletes, whatever profession there is, whatever profession that they are in, if it's a great pitcher, he's going to keep throwing the ball. Yeah, many many different times. If it's a basketball player, he's going to shoot free throws till he can't miss. You know, uh, Tom Brady takes snaps over and over and over again. It's repetitive, repetitive until they can't get it wrong. So, I I, I hate whenever you hear that because you know most 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 individuals are going to say, "I know how to do it." That's great. All right. So if you know how to do it, let's put some obstacles in, in the way in the way where you can't stretch it straight off the truck. You got to get creative. Which way are you going to throw it? To get to get that line stretched perfect to the door, yep. so I definitely agree with you 100 on that. Um, we'll segue into physical fitness. That okay. that is a very that is another hot topic. I recently had um, Marco Marcos Orozco, who's on Brighton, who's a big fitness guru, and we went down some rabbit holes on it on how important physical fitness should be to members. Yeah. Uh... Listen, I, I'll tell you, I. it's crazy to me. It's just crazy. Can you hear me? Okay. It's it's crazy to me that we've even had this discussion for this long. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it's unreal to me that, that there's still places out there that that's not a requirement. Um, how can I show up at your house and expect to to do something with an extra 60 pounds of gear on me? And they joke me because I carry a lot of shit. So probably <laughs> me, like 75. <laughs> have my, my Lou jokes me every morning about, uh, oh, TSA has got to check you on the engine again. But uh, but no, it's it's just crazy, right? So I don't want to work out every day. I like every. Everybody, everybody said like, I, I look, I actually enjoy sometimes working out after, like after the fact, after I've sweat and after I feel good, but I, there's days I don't want to work out, mm -hmm. but it's not for me. It, it's not. And, and I need to drive that culture forward as the captain, because if I don't, the guys aren't going to want to do it. Exactly. But it's got to be in, in your standard, right? I can't have you showing up at a house being overweight out of shape and not being able to do the job because, okay. So I get to the front door and I'm already gassed. How does that work? You know, and then you get into the whole debate of, well, what if I work out on shift and I'm already tired? <laughs> well, you probably, you probably shouldn't be doing the job if, if a workout puts you over the top where you can't perform. Right. We don't at times down there, we have to be in even better shape. Because we don't have a whole first alarm assignment coming like right off the bat, like a lot right. of other places. Right. So we had this is probably this is July August. We had a day where I was in the um, I was in our so I was running battalion because we have an on call week that when I'm on call I got to run the battalion. Okay. But running battalion down there sometimes means you hop on the ladder, or sometimes it means you go with the battalion. But a lot of times you're still doing work. I think I went through for the first time in my career, I think I went through eight bottles that day at two, two alarm fires. Damn. So that was, that was the first time I've ever said, I'm done guys. <laughs> like, so that was the, uh, KDH fire. And I think it was on uh CNN. It was, it was one of the big fires down there. Unfortunately it was a fatality, but that was two, two alarm fires in one day. And you may not do that your whole career. Right. 
But when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. And that's not the time to find out if you're fit enough to do it. Um, I just think guys got to get in there and, and cross training and maybe a little bit of training with gear. I mean, there's a ton of stuff you can do, right? So I'm not into the, oh, you got to do it this way. Well, no, you just got to get active and you got to do things. Um, for us down there, just to add another thing to it, we got to be able to swim. I mean, our ocean – yeah, we have lifeguards during the summer, but we're backing them up because we're going to every drowning in the ocean during the summer. The engine, you know, backs them up. And a lot of times we're getting in the in the drink to help the, the lifeguards. Okay. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's important too. Like you got to know your area. You got to know what you got to be good at. Um, so that's, that's to me, physical fitness is huge, huge, you know, got to, Got to find some way to motivate yourself. Because, again, I don't want to work out. I mean, it hurts, right? Yeah, if, you're not, if, it, if it Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, a couple, couple weeks ago, I was down and out on the couch for like, <laughs> I mean, good God, like a week, my back hurt. I was like, oh, what is going on? But, you know, you just got to fight through that sometimes. So, I, you know, I think I think people really need to, realize why we're doing this we are professional athlete athletes now right so we're occupational athletes and i don't think people, enough people take it like that especially no. as they get a little bit I've, I've noticed that too you talk about the promotion stuff and as you get ahead there right or as you start to get promoted i think a lot of people oh i don't i don't need to do as much but you do because number one your people see it and number two Fireman first, officer second. I like it. I like the. I like that analogy. I like that mindset. And especially, I mean, it should be important all, all, all across the board, whether you're volunteer, career, com, whatever, combination, all that. But to me, it's especially important where you're in an area where you're it and it's just you for a while. Like if your backup is 10 15 minutes plus out, you have to be able to endure that physical exertion of, like you said, stretching the line up on stilts. And I, we go to the beach <clears throat> every other year or so with my wife's family. We rent a beach house and it is crazy seeing how they're high. You know, that's a lot of steps you have to go up. Um, the humidity the heat in the summertime in North mm -hmm. Carolina, it's mm -hmm. pretty brutal. Like, and so when you're, when you're doing it by yourself and your relief is, yeah, we're still like 10 minutes out. You can't look at the citizens and go, Hey, I got to take a time out. I'm a little tired. I'm a little gas. Like you have <laughs> to be able to perform. Yep. yep. You can't, there, there is no time. Fires don't care. Fire, fires don't care. And that's, I, I use that a lot. The fire doesn't care. If you showed up and you're not prepared, the fire doesn't go, oh, guys, hold on. Hold on. They're not ready. <laughs> They're not ready, guys. Right. But, you know, I just I just think and, – and we had a – you know, it, we saw it the other night. We had a fire, just a small fire in our second due, which we did beat them into their first due, which was awesome as usual. So we, we had a small little attic fire in uh, 14's first due. And we had to stretch the line 
past a car up a set of stairs, you know, and weird layout. And really it wasn't even that much fire. There's a little bit of fire in the overhead and in the attic because it started in the bathroom, the good old fart fan. But I'll tell you, man, it, it just, the rookie did phenomenal. Uh, and then my chauffeur and my, my other backstep firefighter, Billy, awesome, awesome crew. They did great, but that's, it wasn't like, oh man, well, it's a fart fan fire. Like it's super easy. Well, everything becomes more challenging because now it's on stilts and small fire, tough stretch. Mm-hmm. So, so just those things, I think, I think people don't understand at times, um, even those small fires will sometimes tax you if you're not ready. Exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's again, rabbit hole on the physical fitness, but you gotta, you gotta find, you gotta find ways to, to be driven and keep driving towards that goal. Absolutely. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, next, uh, next topic, uh, opinion only schedule debate. It, it, it is one of those that's gaining a lot of traction depending on where you're at in the, in the country. But um, what is your opinion on, 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 on the right schedule? Like for me, I think it all depends on your department. It's call volume uh, and what your members truly want. I don't like the, I don't like the notion of, well, we want to go to this schedule because it's popular or it, it's it's what's what's trending. I think most departments should look at a schedule that benefits, number one, the busyness of your department, what you have, what's, what's required for each of your members during the shift. And it definitely has to correlate to the call volume. Like, And I know like there are a lot of departments that do 4896, but these... De- like some of these departments, their certain stations are running fifteen plus calls mm-hmm. a shift, and they're working forty eight hours. Now, I mean, they make it work, but is that really a good schedule for them? You know what I mean. So, just your opinion on. So, so I think it, you're right. I think it depends on a lot of factors. Um, the, but the forty eight ninety six, if I had it my like, so my opinion of it is I would love that 4896, but that's just, again, that's just a personal opinion. I think it does depend. And I think you also, it's dependent on your culture and no matter what schedule you work, somebody's going to hate it. Right. So no matter what schedule you work, somebody's not going to like it. Um, the, the downfall to 2448 for me is that you're always either it seems like you're always either going to work or coming home from like agreed you you always you always have that one day like one day you wake up at home and that's pretty much it so that's where that 4896 benefits now if, if you're in a place like so i know virginia beach when i was there and even when i left um just a ton of overtime right now because we talked about the staffing stuff earlier so just a ton of overtime ton i mean those guys are working you know, three, four days straight anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it matters what schedule you put some places on. There's going to be people that are working three or four days, you know, 72s and all that. But I think the 4896, if you're in the right spot, gives you a time to rest. 
it, it mm-hmm. does give you time to, to, and it depends on everybody's life too, right? So you're never going to find that perfect schedule for a whole department because everybody's got different things going on in their lives outside of the fire station. Um, I don't really know. <laughs> we could probably ask uh, Roxy, the girlfriend. Uh, I don't really think I have a life outside the fire station. <laughs> I mean, I do. I still have some stuff, but you know, it kind of consumes a lot of our lives anyway. So I just think it depends on, on your life and what you have going on. So the 4896 does give you the studies do show that it's better for your health and better for everything. Um, I treat my body like a roller coaster anyway, so it really doesn't much matter for me, but you know, I would say either 4896 or those ones with the 27 or 28 day cycle where you get that, that rest where you get a group of days off because that go to work for a day, come home for a day, go to work for a day, come home for a day. Um, I mean, the worst to get it is the, the Navy bases and the military around here. Like God, their schedule is just horrendous. I mean, they're just always at work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's one right answer for that. I, I don't, I think it just depends on, and your culture too, right? I mean, you're right. If you're running 30, 40 calls a day, or 20 calls a day is a 48 96 unless that second day is just a wash unless they're, you know, that's the only thing you could do it. I think if the department said, okay, that second day you're at work, you uh, other than run calls, you don't, don't, you Mm -hmm. guys are good. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's little things in there, but you would have to have some buy-in for that. Absolutely. Now, you know, places that aren't running that much or as much, yeah, no, you still got to do your daily stuff and all, all that. Um, so I, I just think it depends on where you're at and what your culture is. No, I agree. I agree. I I, I agree. Number one with you in that twenty four forty eight because that that's that's all I've that's all I've known. And you're right. Like you really truly don't ever feel like you have a day off because when you report to work, you get off that morning. It's like okay. You do what you have to do that day. If you have a part-time job or a second job, whatever the case may be, you get to sleep at home that night if possible. And then that next day, you're just preparing yourself to go into work the next day. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. really never that off period. And and that is a popular schedule amongst departments across the nation. But I, me, like I think that 2472 would be a really good one. I, um. Cool. The forty eight ninety six, it, I, I wouldn't have no issue with it, but it all depends on the department. Like if you're yep. doing fifteen plus a day, yeah, hopefully you have a department that, or you have an administration that's like they recognize that, recognize that most of their stations are busy. So hey, that second day, yeah, just um, kind of treat it like a weekend. You're there, you respond to calls. We will not schedule you guys for any pub ads or anything mm-hmm, like that. Just mm-hmm. to kind of unwind because. You know, and not all administration, not all chiefs, but certain chiefs, man, forget or they don't know what it's like with that amount of calls because maybe they didn't have that back in the day. But now with fire departments running everything out the sun, if 911 can't figure it out, hey, let's buzz out the fire department. Yeah, just send the fire department. Yeah, we're we're running everything. And I, I think certain chiefs forget that sense of, what it's like getting beat up, running, getting up, 
after midnight picking up five to eight calls, man, your night's shot. There's no sleeping there. I mean, you might as well no. just sleep on the couch and just wait for your relief to get there. Um, so I, I always just like hearing um different different people because I know uh like I said, Marcos was a prime example. He left Palm, uh, I think it was Palm Beach, I think, somewhere in Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere in Florida that was running 30,000 calls. And he went to Colorado where they're doing the 4896. And I forgot what he said the call volume was, but he was like, you know, they might run five or six a shift. And mm-hmm. he's like, the 20, the 4896 works. He's never worked it, but he actually likes it. So, um, and if there's anybody out there that runs 4896 and you're getting the hell beat out and you continue to love it, Hey man, kudos to you. But I, I I feel like I think I know that there are studies out now, but I think studies will show, you know, the effects of working that schedule and running those amount of calls. Yeah, what it does to the body. Uh, another hot topic, uh, or something I think that it's overlooked is your station tones, your station alerts, uh, being jolted out of bed. From a mm-hmm. huge bell, ding, 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 ding. Like that is, I remember when I went to Clark, uh, we were in Vegas for our honeymoon. And we, of course, I, any anywhere I go, I'm going to stop by a fire station. Just talk to the guys, see what it's nice. like. And they brought me in and they were like, yeah, we have the system called locution. And I was like, oh, what's that? And they're like, well, like the engine sleeps here, the ladder sleeps here, the medic sleeps here. Everyone's separated and it'll only go off in certain areas where not everybody's getting up and I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And then, so like they showed the test of it and it was just like a ramp up red light yes, yep. voice. And I can tell you the station I'm at now, it's a, the newest station we have. It's not locution, but it's a alerting system. That's like that. Uh, since I've been there over a year now, I have yet to be jolted out of bed when we get a call because it's, yeah. it's like, it's a ramp up. The red light comes on. And then we have a female voice that'll just say ladder six and lets you know you have a call. Mm-hmm. But other stations, man, like you'll wake up, your fucking heart is pounding. <laughs> and like you're uh, trying to figure out where you're at. Like that yep. is not good. Yep. That's not good for the body at all. I mean, I, you know, I'm a traditionalist and I, I even know that that's wrong. I mean, when I was at 16 in Virginia beach before they went to the, cause they, they now have that as well okay. with okay. the locution. Um, and it just that slow ramp up, <laughs> but we had the bell in the pole hole at at old at station sixteen, and you'd be the the tones would go off, and then it, the bell would hit a little few seconds later. So you'd be in the pole hole sometimes when that bell went off, and I don't know how I didn't fall off that thing at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning, but but it was uh it was quite the experience, right? So I mean, again, like you know, we talk about the bells hidden and. And you go back to those traditional days and everything else, but but yeah, no, it's not good for our hearts. It's, no. it's not. No, absolutely um, not. Absolutely. So not. You, I'm, I think I think we're past that point now. It's got to be loud enough to wake you up because apparently people have a hard time. Some people <laughs> can sleep through that. Some people can sleep through that. Right. We had a guy on ladder sixteen with me. He could sleep unless the ladder tones went off. I mean, he could sleep through a, a bomb going off in the building. It was crazy. Like he, he, we'd get up in the morning after running all night on the engine. He'd be like, Oh man, pretty good night guys. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So some people have that power and that ability. I'm not one of those people. mm. Uh, Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, 
<clears throat> communication amongst the rank and file. Like, what is your what 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 is your opinion on that? And what I mean by that is having effective communication, whether you're the chief from the chief all the way down to the newest member and vice versa. So I think that. I think the bigger you get, the harder it is. Or I, So there's differences, right? So the bigger the department is, the harder that information chain gets. Because just to push it down to the rank and file, you know, by the time it gets down to the rank and file in a bigger place, it, it's changed about 17 times, and it's not the same message that started. Whereas right now we're in that, the message is, you know, it, it gets pushed down the chain of command, but there's not a whole lot of levels to the chain of command. Um, so I, I think that's the hardest, that's the biggest challenge, right? Is even in a smaller place, just getting the right message to the troops and getting the right message, even the airline officers. Um, and then behind the scenes, if there's something that I know on my end, if I don't like behind the scenes, I can say, Hey guys, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily, uh, the best way to go about this. Can we talk about maybe doing it a different way? And then if it's not a negotiable thing, because they just have to do that or our, our administration has to do that, then I say, okay, well, that's the way it's got to be. And now there's some non-negotiables and there's some stuff that we can, you know, obviously we have our, our, we, we have our standards for our departments, mm -hmm. but then if it's something that's unpopular, I think it's on the company officer to come down and say, Hey guys, look, like I'm not going to blow sunshine and rainbows up your ass, but this is the way it is. And we can talk about it. We can have discussions. Like I can hear your concerns, but this, you know, this is going to suck, but this is what we have to do. And, and I think a lot of people are, it's hard to have that conversation. So a lot of people don't want to have it. Exactly. So it's a hard conversation to have like, Hey guys, this sucks, but we're, this is what we have to do. So I, I guess that answers your question. Uh -huh. I, I think that uh -huh. does. I mean, it's, it really, I think of too many people, but big department, small department, medium sized department, too many people won't say, Hey guys, this sucks, but we have to do it type deal. I, I just think everybody wants to sugarcoat everything now. And, and I think that's bullshit. I, I don't think we should be doing that. Um, you know, even with the training stuff, like you go back to the conversation we had about standards. Hey man, this is the standard and you're going to meet it. And you, you may not like it, but if you want to be here, this is the standard. I care about you. I want you to be here, but this is the standard and you have to do this. So, and sometimes it's a hard conversation to have with people. I have things that I have to do. And, and, I, and, you know, if I, if I fuck up at a fire, I fully expect somebody to come to me and say, Hey man, what, what, what happened? What were you thinking? Don't do that again. Absolutely. Copy that. So it comes, it comes, comes with the rank, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, if you, when you accept the role as an officer, whether that's a line officer on the truck, especially chief officers of departments, you're not you you're not going to be able to skate by and not have a hard conversation with somebody. It's going to happen. Whether that's performance, um outside the department, people have lives, you know, individuals will 
but we'll go through things in life that's not going to be fun. But as, as a chief officer, as a leader of the department, you have to, you have to come, you have to be able to come to terms that, Hey, like there's going to be a point where I have to have this hard conversation with somebody mm -hmm. and put your pants, put your big boy pants on and, and just do it. You know, we're all adults in here. Um, and I, I personally believe departments that are thriving out there regarding culture and their personnel, it's all because they're, they're, they're line off their officers from top all the way down, get the mission, get the standard and know, Hey, this is what it's going to be. And if somebody's not meeting that, we will have that unfortunate, difficult conversation of, Hey, we notice X, Y, and Z. We would like for you to meet us here. And if you can't, well, then maybe you, maybe it's time to part ways. Yeah. I mean, well, I know, I, I know we're all struggling with manpower issues, but we can't sacrifice one for the betterment of the department because that's the thing. Everyone's looking. The department's oh, yeah. going to be looking. And if they see, yeah. oh, okay, well, you let this person skate by, mm -hmm, well, then mm -hmm. I should be able to skate yep. by too. Yep. So, and it's, look, I've had people have, people have had hard conversations with me over the years. Like I, I try to tell everybody the whole, look, I've been in the seat that you're in, like, just, you got to be an adult about it. Right. So I had to look myself in the face a few times in my career and say, man, you got to get better. Like I, you know, being a young wet behind the ears kid coming <laughs> in at, at 21, 22 years old, man, I thought, after those first couple of years of being a fireman, man, I thought my shit didn't stink. Mm -hmm. And, and, oh man, I'm a fireman. I'm, I'm that guy. But, but you go to a couple of fires and you get humbled a few times and, and then you go, man, I got, okay, I got to get better. Like it's, it's a lifelong quest. It's a lifelong, you know, they, they call it a profession for a reason. It's, it's a lifelong thing that you need to get better at. And, and almost on a daily basis. Right. So, I've been in the opposite end of this where people have had hard conversations with me that luckily I just, I, I took that and I ran with it and I, you got to look at yourself and you got to look yourself in the face and decide, yeah, no, I, I need to get better at that. Like, this is something I'm not good at. And, and it's hard for people to say that to themselves, apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta look in the mirror. You gotta look in the mirror. You gotta see if, if you're portraying, because one thing that I, I, I never understood, I never, I, I can never grasp the concept of how can you say you expect your members to do this when you can't do it? Yep. That's, like, that's, yeah, that's, no, that, no doubt. There's a disconnect there. You can't, if you're going to say, Hey, I expect you to do this, then you have to do it yourself, whether you're on the truck or not, because like you said before, you always stated you're still a firefighter first. Yes, your rank uh, gives you uh, capabilities to do this, that, and the other, but you're always at heart. You should still remember what it's like being a firefighter. You should never stop that. I mean, from day one, and I get it. It gets hard, right? It gets hard. You, yeah, you know, absolutely. And you, you get and older. It. Yes. It's, it's not even so much. So the age thing plays plays into it, but it gets hard. Like, and I see it more now with a smaller place seeing, seeing our chief, you know, he, he has to deal with stuff that, that we don't, that I don't even want to deal with personally <laughs> like right now. Like he has to deal with other things that takes up most of his time in the day. 
And, and I see that, right? So you, so you got to, with, with a grain of salt, right? Um, there are positions that you, I guess you just wind up at, and that's not what you are anymore, unfortunately. But you always should should go back to your roots. But I, I get it. Like, But I think as far as a company officer goes, you have to be a fireman, fireman or firefighter first. You have to be. You, you don't have that choice. Like, And I'm still out there. And this just isn't about me. Every I think every officer in our or every captain and, and Lou at our place right now, they're out there stretching lines too and doing things and and making sure that it's not just oh go stretch that line like, um, you know if the rookie does a box drill like everybody does a box drill it's not it's not just oh well let's see how fast the rookie can get dressed like that's not that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not right. Like, I'm not going to stand there with a stopwatch. Like we're, we're all going to get dressed, but that's the way it's going to go. Um, so yeah. So I think, I think being a fireman first says a lot to your, your crew and the people that you're supposed to protect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, before we, before we end this, um, do you go around and teach it? Cause I, th- I think you do. So, mm-hmm what i uh i kind of call us like the shameless plug like and i i'm pretty sure i don't believe you have like a training llc but i just want you to talk about what you do to keep that that passion and that love going that way somebody that's listening that doesn't know or just they they just don't know about certain things like smithfield's Mm-hmm, training mm-hmm. days like so uh what do you do to to keep that 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 drive going for you okay so so i honestly like there's a ton right so we do have a, a llc called real fire training so it was uh it was started by uh jeremy williams who was in norfolk he recently took a, a newer position somewhere else but he uh he started this company and it's called real fire training so rescue engine and ladder work is, is what it was for. Oh, okay. Like that, that was that. So you're going to see some more stuff upcoming in the next year. Like I think that's getting bigger. So uh, myself and three others are kind of taking all that over. Um, so you're going to see a lot more stuff class wise come out and you guys will see it and I'll send you all the stuff. Um, but anyway, so Smithfield truck school, um, I teach at that and that's just a huge motivation factor for me because you see guys coming together Sometimes we go to these classes that are maybe people have to go to them and the passion isn't there. Right. So I try to surround myself with like-minded people. I try to go to those classes and I teach it at certain ones. And then I also go to classes because I don't try. I, I tell people don't get sucked into that vortex of, well, man, I can't go to all these classes. I have all these classes to teach this year. Well, I need to go learn and I need to get my reps in. And I need to, like, I'm not going to fires every day. So I need to go to these classes and I need to get my reps and I need to keep my skill sets in order to still teach and to be effective teaching as well as be effective when I go to fires. So, you know, that's the passion that I carry. So real fire training, Smithfield truck school with, with Jason Kepke, um, forest training days with Monty and Zach Coleman. We go there and we just try to, I try to find classes. I go to FDTN. Uh, I try at least for twice a year. Uh, if, if anybody hasn't been there, I mean, it's phenomenal, right? So they've built such a great training spot. 
and you, you can do things there you can't do other places. Um, but as far as the passion goes, I'm a nerd, right? So I'm a huge fire nerd. And I tell mm-hmm. people this all the time. I think, I think it's uh, imperative that we get away from this. Man, what are you doing? You're wearing another fire t-shirt? Like you got another fire sweatshirt or a hoodie or whatever? Like, yeah, man, like I'm proud of what I do. Like I'm not, I'm not out there with the one, like I'll wear a conference one or whatever. And it's not just about that. <clears throat> it's not just about the the t-shirt wearing fireman, right? But I'm proud of what I do and I'm proud of that profession. And yeah, I'm a huge nerd. Like when did it become so, so uncool to be a fireman? Right. Because you hear it in your department too, I'm sure. Like, oh man, you guys are so ate up with it. Like, well, when did it become uncool to do that? I don't know what, I don't know when that happened. Like I always thought this was like the coolest and best profession in the world. When did it right. become so uncool to to be what we are? I, I'm you know, and I think I think you gotta keep that passion and that drive. And luckily I've had a lot of people in my life that that have, have helped me along for that. So I think you gotta get yourself around like minded people that wanna do this job and wanna do it right. So we just took a class and and we'll go all over the place. We just took a class for uh, in Texas, the searchable survivable space class from Sean Duffy. Mm -hmm. So great guy. Uh, You know, his actually his company's name is build your culture. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, same, same mentality, same mindset, right? Like just out there being firemen and learning about the profession. Um, And then really, so, I guess another motivating factor, and I, I told you I was going to talk about this, and uh, April 17th of, uh, excuse me, 2023, that was when I had been promoted to captain at Kitty Hawk. So Matt Cheverati, who was one of my biggest mentors, unfortunately uh, passed away from cancer. Well, Matt was one of, I mean, he's one of the best guys I've ever met. I love him to death. Um I still talk to Sarah and Gus and he was, he was a big motivating factor in my life. Like that guy taught me so much and he was in his forties. And unfortunately he got, he got cancer from the job and passed away. So, you know, I, I, I kind of, I tell my crew and like, I get up in that front seat of that engine every morning or when I go to a class and I'm like, well, what, what can I do to make Matt proud? And, uh, you know, it, it, it eats at you. It tears at you. The profession is sometimes it's a, it's a dirty place, right? So sometimes we, there's stuff that we don't want to see, but it's also, there's, there's people that we lose that we lose way too or too early because of what we do. But I had a few conversations with him towards the end and you know, it's worth it. Like what we do is worth it. And that, and that's gotta be your driving and your motivating factor. So that's, it has to be like, we're not, we're not all going to be here forever, yeah. but I want to do the most good I can while I'm here, you know? And that was one of the, but yeah. So Matt, I love you, but, but uh, it's just, I, I think those are the things that keep me, keep me going. Right. And, and we all hit our ruts and you got to have some outside time and you got to do some other things, but mm-hmm. it's uh that's that's the thing. This is what I decided to do, and I'm going to be damn good at it is kind of the way that I look at it.
Absolutely. So. Awesome, man. Um, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, pal. I really do appreciate you coming on, talking shop, talking some, oh, man, some, I've... some great gospel advice for others. Um, I, I love, I love your humility. Um, I think, I think that that's, that's also coming down the line of people realizing that you need to be humble at this job. You need to remember, of course, number one, your roots, where you came from, you're not above anybody else. And to just be a fireman and actually just give a shit about doing this job. I mean, because yeah. this, that's what the, that's what people who call 911, that's what they expect. They expect firemen that actually care, know what they're doing, being able to perform the job to do. So thank you. No problem. Anytime, man. I, I could talk shop all day. I love this stuff. So it's, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, quick shout out to, to my crew who I get to work with tomorrow. So Lou, uh, Lieutenant Boyce there who actually just got promoted to captain. Um, so in a couple of days I lose my Lieutenant, I get a new one. Uh, and then Billy who will probably be my Lieutenant and then my backstep rookie, uh, Toby. So I might, I might hook you, have her come on here just so he, so you can hear from, from somebody newer if you'd like it. But, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to, I don't, I, yeah, she, I, I try not to tell her too much. I, I try to, I try to keep her level headed too, but she, uh, she's doing pretty good so far. So we'll keep that going hopefully. But, uh, oh, that's awesome. And then a shout out to, I couldn't do all this without, without my girl rocks. Um, she puts up with me for sure. <laughs> it's a lot of long hours and a lot of time away from home. So I think you got to tell your family that too. Like it, everybody needs to know in the, mm -hmm. in the, in the family atmosphere, like this is kind of what they signed up for too. So, but I, but I loved it, Danny. I loved it. Um, this has been a great uh, experience and let me know if I can ever do anything for you and I'll, I'll send you some more pictures and been a good time, man. Yeah. Good time. No, no. So. Like I said, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I, I love talking shop to others, finding out how they do things, you know, how, how it works for them. And it's eye opening because if, if you're fortunate to be on a department that has uh, a decent number of personnel in the trucks, uh, your mutual aid or next thing company is not like 10 minutes out. You're not just two guys in a truck. You need to feel fortunate that, that you have that because there are, areas of this country that that's not an option it's one guy in a truck and then he's hoping on volunteers to show up while it, he pulls up you know what i mean so it's it's insane that people still think that's okay right it's right. it's just insane that I, I i shake my head sometimes i'm like how how do we how are we still doing that yep how is that still okay yep and how 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 come mr and mrs smith still think that's okay i don't maybe they just don't know i don't know Mm -hmm. but but it's you know we um, I, I think we're our own it's good and it's bad right we're our own worst enemies at times because we make it work because exactly. we're just that type of personality but sometimes exactly. that's making it work probably isn't the best thing to do absolutely but. absolutely um yeah so i mean in hindsight what i'm trying to say is be fortunate be appreciative of what you have where you work and if the case may be that you can't because of whatever circumstance, then find a new circumstance. Yeah. Find, find a department that's going to meet your expectations and what you want to do because they are out there. Don't just keep, don't be just another fireman who's there 
just because you don't want to leave and the benefits are great. There are other departments out there that 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 have what you need. You just got to open your eyes and tell yourself, let's just do this. Agreed. Agreed. So good stuff, brother. Yeah, good no, stuff. I appreciate you, pal. Um, thank you. Thanks again. All right. No problem, man. All right, pal. All right. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.